0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Skills for Mars Transitions. On this episode, I'm hosting Nina Jervis, a.k.a. Nina the Writer. Nina always dreamt to be a writer, but for the first 15 years of her life, she had to work in HR. Four years ago, after attending a coaching class, she finally decided to do what she loves. Join us to hear her story. If you want to continue receiving career support and inspiration, consider subscribing to the channel. Every week, someone will share their incredible transition. And now I give you Nina. Hello, Nina, the writer, and welcome to Skills for Mars Transitions. I'm very, very glad to be hosting you today.
1: I'm very, very glad to be here. Thank you very much.
0: Nina, you have a really amazing story of wanting to do something for your entire life, then not being able to do it, and then finally doing what you love. Would you be okay to introduce yourself and tell everyone a bit about your story?
1: Um, sure, yeah. Okay, so, um, well, introduction-wise, my name's Nina Jervis. Um, I'm known as Nina the writer these days because I'm a freelance writer. Um, I've been doing that for the past four years. And uh, before that, I was an HR manager. Um, I was HR manager for the majority of my career, say so about 15 years. Um, and yet I had always wanted to be a writer. But it was one of those things that I just thought, so when you're a teenager and you're doing your A-levels and things like that, you're, you're kind of pressured into getting a, a proper job to pay the bills. And... And that was always what I thought I had to do. So when you're in that sort of academic environment and you've got your parents kind of nagging you and and kind of saying um, you know, that writing it won't pay a regular enough wage, it's too unstable. Um, and I listened to that, and so I I started doing my HR qualifications, and I had a nice stable career of the type that I was being pushed to get into. Um and I guess I saw the light about four years ago when I decided to start off on my own as a writer and just take a bit of a leap um, because I kind of realised that I wasn't getting any younger. And if I wanted to continue, um, yeah, there's just some, there's something about doing a job that doesn't really feel like you. Um, so as you get older, it feels like you can't really hide anymore and you, you have to start really being yourself. And that's what I tried to
0: do. Was that helpful or just me, just a random. It's perfectly helpful. And now this leads me to my next question. You said that you felt that it was not you. Mm -hmm. So how can you describe that feeling? How does feeling that a job, it doesn't represent you, that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing?
1: Well, see, HR is about policy and procedure. Um, Not much creativity. Uh, uh, Apologies if anyone's listening to this working in HR and they're thinking, actually, no, I'm really, my job's really creative. But I didn't feel that it was it was particularly creative. Um, writing has always been a passion of mine. And the only writing that you get to do in an HR role are policies and procedures, um, not really my kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and it was just, it, it's a, a very regulated role. There's everything that you do is within the confines of employment law, which is obviously there for a very, very good reason. Um, but I found that I was kind of sleepwalking through it quite a lot of the time. And um, yeah, I think the only part of the job I actually enjoyed was when I could help solve a problem for somebody. So if I had a member of staff coming to me and and asking some advice on how to deal with a personal situation and I could help with that, then that, that was a rewarding side of the job. But mostly it was pushing paper around writing dry policies and procedures and then having to enforce them, which again not always especially when you don't really agree with them yourself and you just feel a bit petty um so so yeah I mean it just wasn't I didn't come home from work every day feeling that I had done anything particularly interesting or worthwhile or anything that made and it sounds a bit selfish but anything that made me feel happy and I think if you're in the same job for a long time where that's happening it can just start to bring you down because you just feel that the thing that you're doing for the majority of the time that you're awake um, is not—if it's—if none of it's really what you want to be doing, then I think something's wrong.
0: And uh, uh, thinking about what you said about being happy and uh, making yourself happy and being selfish, mm-hmm. I think that if you are unhappy and you don't put your oxygen mask first when you when you feel like this, then you tend to make people around you unhappy as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it just shows. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, I wasn't very nice to be around after a, after a day at work. <laughs> I'd snap so- people's heads off, I'd, um, I'd burst <laughs> into tears, all that kind of stuff, get angry. But you don't always realise it's the fact that you hate your job sometimes. Um, and it's only when you sort of get out of it and you look back and you think, oh, God, I was horrible then. Um, and it was because I wasn't very happy.
0: When did you realize that you can actually make this step? Because you were 15 years in HR and you always wanted to be a writer. So what led to the final push that said, okay, this is when I'm stopping and I'm doing what I love to doing?
1: Well, I did have some help from um, a career change course online. um, And I can share the details of that if you'd like me to, or just keep quiet about it. Yeah, 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 definitely. (laughs) Um, And it was a six-week online course. um, And... It was, I, and I joined a group of people that were also looking to change career and we had a dedicated, um, we had dedicated career coaching sessions and, and it's funny how, and you don't, I don't think you have to join a career change course to get other people's perspectives, um, but they're very interesting. When you talk to people that you don't really know and who don't know you and have expectations of who you are. So if I were to speak to my family and friends, for example, about really wanting to be a writer, it's kind of like they only know me as an HR manager. So it's hard for them to imagine me doing something else. But when you talk to a group of people who don't know you, you can be anything because they don't have those expectations of you. And, and so as far as they're concerned, why can't you be a writer? Or why can't you change from doing one thing to another? Um, they, don't, they don't have that knowledge of you and don't—they—they don't, they, they don't find it hard to picture you in another role because I think that can be so difficult sometimes. You talk to your friends and family about changing career and it's kind of, oh, but you've been doing that for years and you earn good money and a lot of the time they don't want to be pushed out of their comfort zone as in you're going to be changing. Exactly. Um, but that, so that was a good thing about joining the online career change course, just getting to know other people who had different ideas about life and different experiences. Um, but it was a dedicated coaching session that I had um, and the coach, and uh, we were talking about writing and actually I said, as a throwaway comment, Well, I can't be a writer because you you can't. And I I thought, because I thought you had to be somebody like J.K. Rowling or Stephen King in order to be a writer, and it felt like an impossible journey. And I thought, well, if you can't be wildly successful, then how can you make any money from it? Um, But it was the coaching session that sort of made me made me see that actually, writing skills can be put to good use in other ways. Um, So the things that I do now are things like website copywriting, um, blog posts, articles. I do eulogies. I do online dating profiles. It's basically anything that people need to say in writing, but they don't quite know how to start or how to sound like themselves. And that's what I do. And I love it because it kind of combines the work that I really enjoyed when I was in HR, which was having the personal conversations with people. Um, and now I get to do that and create something positive from it, which is a piece of writing that showcases them as they really are. And that's
0: that's what I love about it. Um, and I've forgotten the original question that you asked. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no worries, not at all. Uh, I said, what was the final push that led you to, decide that, hey, this is the time I'm going to make the switch?
1: So in a nutshell, because I've been rambling, but in a nutshell, it was meeting other people that saw me differently and made me see myself differently as a result. And having people, because you tie yourself up in expectations that aren't just yours, but they're other people's, and you it suddenly becomes impossible. And then you talk to somebody else and they go, well, why can't you be a writer? And you think, oh, I don't know,
0: actually.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot more simple than I have made it out to be over the years.
0: Were you, you were writing before, right? Yeah. Were you, tr- what were you writing? So what were the skills that you had in writing before you starting to help others write better so they can present themselves better in the world, whether that was a CV or a career change or online profile? Well, I, so I've been, I've been writing
1: stories pretty much all my life. Um, just, and I've written a novel, which I haven't shown to anybody, Um, and various stories and articles I I kept a blog for years just for myself which is now um, a book Um, and in every job I've ever had I somehow gravitated towards doing um, the writing for the the directors um, and and people like that where you end up having to get the communications right so I'd have people come into my office and go I don't quite know how to put how to word this message can you take it over um, and things like press releases and things like that and I always gravitated towards that as well as my HR duties. Um, With things like um, online dating profiles, CVs and eulogies I was already helping friends and family members with things like that before I did it professionally so it felt like quite a smooth transition although I did feel guilty asking people to pay
0: for those things for a little while when I first started. That's a that's an incredible feeling when you when when you are employed you never have to do it.
1: Oh, well, that's but
0: then when you, what well, then afterwards you actually have to ask for money for your services, which does feel strange. But you soon but you soon
1: realise that if you don't do it, then you might as well go back to being employed. So it's one of those things that you have to get over pretty quickly if you're going to be at all successful. Um, yeah. You just have to, you have to get over it. And people are expecting, so what I've learned, I mean, I've been doing this for four years, and what I've learned, people are expecting to be asked for money. It's only now, every now and again, um,
0: that they're not, and you can deal with that quite easily. (laughs) And uh, it's also strange that if if you don't ask for money and they don't pay for anything, they don't consider the service to be uh, of quality either, or they're not going to use it. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting, um, yeah, mentalities. And psychology, uh, Nina, you were just mentioning that if you don't want to move to the next job and do what you like, then you'd better stay a, a, an employee. Did you have? Did you look back and uh, while you were transitioning and thinking, I'm not sure if I can do this. Did you have have had moments of when you, when you said, uh, maybe I'm not so good?
1: Yep, yeah, I absolutely did. Um, i I took some some quite big financial risks because I didn't have a lot of money to, I didn't suddenly decide to leave my job and set, set up a writing business with loads of money behind me. I didn't have loads of money behind me at all. Um, and I had, I had a few savings, but I used them to ask somebody to design a website for me um, and the logo and everything like that. And all the time I was doing it, I was thinking, what if I can't do it? And I'm, I'm not sure if this is going to work. And. What if I've just wasted my money? Um, and it was, yeah, so I, def- I was definitely, because before, the, the first, before you ask somebody to pay for something like that for the first time, you don't really know how it's all going to go. You don't know what people, how people are going to take to you and whether you're going to do the right job for them. And you don't actually know that until you do it. So it's quite scary. And, and there's that crisis of competence where you think, well, I've been doing this for years. If my customers don't think I'm very good, does that mean I'm not actually a very good writer after all? And so the idea you have of yourself could get smashed
0: to pieces. Um, and yet I still did it. <laughs> did you have uh, customers who were not happy and you had to bounce back? No. Or not? No. I, was, I was lucky um, in that everybody that I've worked with so far, I haven't
1: had, no, I've not had any. In the four years I've been in business, touch wood. Um, <laughs> Uh, things have gone pretty really well. And it's always... I can see on
0: the website, I mean, the testimonials are amazing.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's, I'm really, I am proud of them. But then it's, it's also a question of if I do send out a piece of work and somebody comes back to me and says, well, it's not, you know, can you just make a few changes? You know, it's absolutely fine. Like, I consider that the work doesn't belong to me once it goes to the, the client. They've got every right to come back to me and say, can you just change a few bits here and there? And, and we, I'd always say with every job that I do, I'll just work with you until we get it right, and so hopefully there wouldn't be any problems like that because there'd always be a way to sort it out. So
0: hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that's why people come back with feedback, right? And if it's positive feedback, then you need to accept it as it's good. Yeah, I, I think but so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have failures that you remember and that made you think, okay, I need to improve this, I need to improve this. It, what I'm doing will not work if. I'm this kind of, on this this path.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, I know that recently
1: I revamped my own website because I realized that the copy that I wrote four years ago was actually, thought, I'll admit this, it was awful. Um, <laughs> the For your standard. I wrote, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, one of my clients actually said to me, you need to redo the copy on your own website. And I looked at it because it's one of those things I wrote. The, and this is something I'm always telling my clients. You need to review your website copy regularly. And I wasn't doing mine. And um, it was, I think, about this time last year that I looked back at it and I thought, oh, it's actually it's terrible. Who knows how many customers I was putting off, actually, who was looking at my website, reading it, thinking she can't string a sentence together herself. And, um, and that was because it was when I very first started out. And, of course, when you very first start out, you don't 100% know who your customers are going to be and who you appeal to the most and who you really want to work with. Yep. So I had tried to appeal to absolutely everybody with that initial copy and I'd rush through it because the website people had needed me to do it very quickly. Um, And yeah, the result was uh, a website that didn't really um, showcase who I am and who I work with but now hopefully it does and the version you've seen hopefully <laughs> <probably> <laughs> <is> better
0: than. <laughs> no the version I've seen is very very entertaining and the articles you write on LinkedIn I really love them especially the pina colada suggestion for working remote
1: <laughs> yeah you'll see this is a glass and it yeah. has water in it although it could be vodka Yulia I have to say it could be <laughs>
0: I think you have a nice and interesting take on, on things which is very different than creative, which I, and, and I really like uh, reading it.
1: Thank you, that's very nice of you to say. I'm blushing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you said something about finances. Yes. And this is a common thing that comes up when, uh, when we talk about career changes, especially with people that have done it after 30, 35. There's always an, an issue of finances. How... I don't need numbers, right? Uh, but did you have to save? Did you have to think about it before? I don't know, and save one year in advance. How how did you think about this so you can have a blanket yeah. until you actually get enough money from writing from what you like doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had, I did have savings. It were they weren't very much. They would have sustained me for just a month of not doing my normal HR job. Um, And I just thought, because my boss actually said to me, when I handed my notice in at my HR job, my boss said to me, why don't you, cut back to part time, why don't you work um, three days a week here and then you can do your writing with the other two. Um, And I turned that down straight away because I thought if I do that, I'll just be pushing in a full time job into three days a week. Uh, and you always concentrate more on what you're, it's just human nature, isn't it? If something's paying you, if you're getting money from us, then that's what you'll concentrate on. And I really wanted to concentrate on my writing and I really wanted to make a go of it. And I knew it might work for some people doing the part-time thing. But for me, I knew that if I didn't throw everything at it, then it would only ever be kind of a half-hearted thing, probably be a hobby I'd probably do it for a little while and then go back to full-time work at, in HR because I'd probably think, oh, this isn't really working. So I really wanted to throw everything at it. I had no idea if I was going to be making enough money to continue. Um, and there was a lot of luck involved because I did a lot of um, marketing activity um, involving leafleting houses. Um, so I spent hours like, just traipsing up and down roads, putting leaflets through people's letterboxes. And I was very lucky that um, I got a call within a couple of weeks from somebody who wanted me to write their autobiography. Um, And that job on its own single-handedly kept me going for another couple of months while I built up a few more customers. So I was very lucky to... So it is luck sometimes, um, and it definitely was sort of in that case, because if I hadn't got that job writing an autobiography, um, it probably would have been a lot harder. I don't quite know what would have happened,
0: but... Did it come from a
1: leaflet? From a- It came from a leaflet. And it's so, I spent hours leafleting houses um, and I didn't get any other calls. But it just goes to show all those hours, you just get, it, 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 sometimes you just get lucky and sometimes you just happen to be in the right place at the right time.
0: Oh, definitely. But then you did put the hours into the leaflets. Uh and yeah. then the, why I asked if it if it really came from the leaflet because so few people use leaflets nowadays. Everything is email. You get everything pushed notifications, the phone, and everything, and nothing is paper. And the, absolutely, uh, yeah. But the guy that the, so this
1: particular client, um, he was um, sort of part of the older generation, so um, he probably wouldn't he wouldn't have responded. He's not the kind of person that would have responded to an email anyway. Um. But I just think sometimes you can get a bit lost in all the emails and online promotions. I think everybody's doing it. And as a result, you can kind of get a bit lost in the the sea of voices. Whereas I think if you not, I mean, I know that I pick up leaflets. I'm a hypocrite here. I pick up leaflets from my door mat and I put them straight in the recycling. Um, So so I'm I'm a bit of a hypocrite there. But I do, sometimes these things can work every now and then.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it, if it appeals to the right personality, right, someone who really enjoys paper more than anything else, something yeah. to hold in their hand and, and, and so on. So, uh, so uh, why not? I also left business cards in shops in my local area. Um, and I got one of my first clients
1: because he picked up my business card in the local bakery. And that's not where you'd, you would immediately think that a writer would advertise. Um, but... Sometimes I, th- I think that can be really interesting, actually, if you've got a business and you're advertising in the same old places, try doing something slightly different where people kind of think, oh, you know, where it kind of makes them think, oh, I didn't expect to see that. And then it makes them think that they might actually need you or they might remember you a bit more because they've seen you in an unfamiliar face. Not that I'm, I am not a marketing expert,
0: but. That's what I wanted to ask. Uh, You learned marketing by yourself, right? When you started the business.
1: Yes, you you kind of have
0: to, you have to take a bit of a crash course in quite a few
1: things. I had to be my own accountant as well for a while. That was interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how did it make you feel to be a junior in business? Because you've been writing before. So this was more of a focus the way I see it. Correct me if I'm wrong. But the rest of the business was totally new.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So how did that make you feel?
1: Um, out of my depth, completely out of my depth. So the accounts thing, I didn't even know, I didn't know what figures I should be keeping a record of. I didn't know what I should be keeping, what expenses I could claim. Um, and that's where you kind of have to call on some outside help and you have to kind of realize I can't do everything by myself. I think, um, especially when the business is just you, you can't, um and you know figures are not my strong point i'm a wordy person not a numbery person um and also i'm not a designer i don't have an eye for style i don't have an eye for color or anything like that so things like that you have to um outsource you have to outsource you have to think and you, and it does mean a bit of a gamble with money because obviously these things you shouldn't be getting for nothing um and if you are getting them for nothing you should question why because yeah why a bit? <laughs> um so yeah you find people that are good at the things that you're
0: not and you sort of bring them in with you. Did, um, how did your family react? Because first when you told them that you wanted to be a writer, right, uh, early in your career, they said that, uh, and I I wrote it down, that it's unstable and it won't pay, uh, it won't really pay a wage. How did they feel when you, when you told them, Hey, I am a writer. (laughs) This is it. I'm making the move.
1: (laughs) Well, it was my dad that said that when I was a teenager. Um, And I I think he was just worried that I wasn't going to, I, I don't know I think it's just I, I think parents I mean I'm not a parent um but I think parents are kind of um they just want you to be safe and happy don't they and they don't to be honest I don't really want to have to worry about you um and but because I was in my late 30s when I changed career I think by then my dad was of the opinion I'll just get on with it you've lived long enough you can do what you want <laughs> <laughs> um there was definitely less because it's I mean that's the other thing when I when that was said to me originally by my dad. I was living at home, um, and he could have been worried that I'd still be living at home with no money, um, and he I'd be a bit of a burden on him. But when you're in your late thirties and you're not a burden anymore, anyway, it's kind of back to people. <laughs> got it. People, got it. People definitely care less about these things when you get older. It's like um, I've done talks in local schools actually, and um, I think one of the I was asked for the most valuable piece of advice that I wish I'd known at sort of fourteen, fifteen, um, and it was it's not as serious as you think. If, you, if something doesn't work, you can always try something else. It's, you haven't all these choices that you're being asked to make when you're young, don't, it, it, they don't have to be set in stone. They don't have to be, to forever. You can, you can experiment. You should experiment with your career, I think.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. And, but I think that um, somehow it was ingrained in, in our, um, when we were raised because our parents had only one job, right? They studied for something and then they continued uh, learning on that path and, and growing and building a nice and steady career. Before that, you might even have had generations going and, and uh, working in the same company and even doing the same job, right? Yeah. My dad is in the army, I'll be in the army, then uh, my kid is in the army or uh, my father works in ironworks and I will do the same. And now with, with this last generations, we are changing very quickly which is which in my opinion is very nice because you get to learn from different industries and learn from different domains and then bring way more value than you would do if you would stay in just one one job but parents wise I, I think they're still there they're still recommending that they have a stable nice career so you can be your life. It'd be, be interesting and to see what millennial life. parents are going to be like with that because
1: obviously I'm of a certain age and <laughs> um, so my dad's of that generation where you know you had a job for life. Um, So it'd be interesting to see how millennials deal with that and whether they're a bit more kind of, oh no, you can do whatever you want
0: kind of thing. I think they are. At at some point it feels like it's too much. Like they're telling them too much, they're extraordinary and they can do whatever they want. (laughs) (laughs) Because you you need to have a balance as well and understand (laughs) what you can do and what you cannot do. (laughs) Because, yeah, we can all develop skills, but um, maybe some are harder and uh, you can just... um, grow better with the skills that uh, you already grow, yeah, have and uh, can develop. So, yeah, yeah. It's a, I think it's, a, it's still a matter of balance, but I'm curious as well, as you said. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back a bit to the coaching uh, part because mm-hmm. you're not the first one that told me about coaching and I'm sure you're not the last one. Do you think it was crucial in your decision that you had those coaching sessions? What I think was crucial um, is getting an outsider's perspective on your career.
1: So yes, I do think so. For me, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't done that career change course and I hadn't had those coaching sessions. But I still think speaking to people who don't have expectations of you and they don't see you as a certain type of person um, is just. I think is almost just as good. Um, So just in case anyone's listening to this and they think I can't afford coaching sessions, um, maybe try talking to somebody. Who doesn't know you? Or maybe, um, so if there's a career that you're interested in, maybe try and find somebody who's already doing it and have a chat with them, um, and they can you can kind of find out a bit more about it. And yeah, I mean, when I started the career change course, one of the things I had to do was send out some questions to people that knew me about the kind of job that they saw me doing
0: and what they thought I'd be good at,
1: which was which was interesting actually. And I got quite a few suggestions that um, made me laugh. Um, <laughs> I would never have considered them. <laughs> um, things like counselling, I got to, and I, I haven't got the patience to be a counsellor at all. Um, I, I like listening to snippets of people's stories and things like that, but I, I don't think I'd be very good as uh, a therapist or a counsellor. Uh, but it's interesting to see how, when others start thinking about seeing you in a different light, then you know it can be quite can be quite interesting. Did anyone say writing? Yes. Yes, people people do know, but it's, I almost thought that they said that because they knew that I already did it, so um, I didn't, so that's the other thing, so I think when your friends and family give you career advice and they talk to you, you kind of think, yeah, but you would say that because you already know that I do that as a hobby, or yeah, but you would say that because you think, so that's why, so I think, I think it's really important to have input from people who don't really know you, Um, because I think. I just think it's more valuable from that point of view. It just, I think it opens up some new possibilities and helps you see yourself in a different way.
0: How do you feel about the result? Are you happy with where? Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no. Are you happy with where you are now after four years?
1: Yes. Yes, I'm really happy. Um, I get to work from home, which is my favorite thing. And um, I get to meet some really interesting people. And, and hear some really interesting stories and um yeah I think it, I've got another ambition which is to become a writer you know and it, for myself so with my own articles and my own essays and things like that and to earn money from that and there's a way to go before that can happen um but I'm happy with where I am now as well I've, I've branched out into writing coaching in recent years as well and it's nice to help other people um, sort of write the way they want to as well it's yeah it's sort all of very rewarding
0: you said you are you are having a plan to develop and write for you right mm-hmm. uh, and there is a journey towards that did you plan for that journey or are you planning for the journey and working towards it or how does it work for you
1: uh, I need to plan a bit in a bit more detail because I have to be honest I'm, con- I'm concentrate this is goes back to what I was saying before you concentrate on what is earning you money so the client work is Earning me money and it's yes. also interesting and enjoyable to do so it would be very easy for me to think well i'll just carry on doing that um but i have always wanted to have i'd love a column in a magazine or so if anyone's watching this and they've got some space to fill in a magazine or a newspaper get in touch um, any <laughs>
0: subjects you would like to write about let's make I, this a full commercial
1: <laughs> yeah okay if we're doing that yeah. Um, my writing hero is um, somebody like David Sidaris. If I could have his career, I would be—I'd die happy. <laughs> so basically, just rambling on about my own life with a little touch of humour and so, um, surreality, kind of sprinkled in, and that's that's just my ideal writing life. So if anyone's out there that can offer me that, let's talk.
0: <laughs> yes, me at nina the writer
1: <laughs> That's great. Thank you.
0: Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, if you were to summarize your experience and your learnings um, in, and maybe advise young writers or anyone who's, who wants to take on this uh, skill or this profession, what would you tell them? What should they do, no matter the age? You have to put yourself out there, and, which sounds like that sounds like a real cliche thing, but
1: you really do have to let people know that you're there and you're available for work um so in my case it was the leaflets I also did a lot of networking meetings in the beginning even though I'm a massive introvert and I don't enjoy networking meetings um you have to put the work in in those early days um to help people understand who you are and what you can do for them because you can be the best writer in the world but no if nobody knows who you are where to find you or what you can do for them you're not going to make any money so it has to be that balance. And I know that we creative types are a little bit, oh, we don't want to sound too salesy, but um, it's just about letting people know that you're around, which was, I guess, what my leaflets were about in those early days. And
0: um, read a lot, because that helps you get better at your writing. <laughs> Nina, uh, one more time, where can people find you? I will put it in the, in the post as well, but, uh, but uh, if they want to find you, where can they find what's the website how they can they contact you okay so my website is me no it's not me that's my email address my
1: website is nina the writer.com um i'm on facebook i'm on twitter and i'm on linkedin i'm not on instagram because i've got no eye for images or design whatsoever and the whole thing just intimidates me so you won't find me on instagram um but you will find me on wordy
0: social media
1: pages (laughs)
0: Yeah, and um, particularly for those who are interested in career changes and applying for jobs, you are doing that uh, as as a specific type of coaching that you are doing and support that you are doing with writing.
1: Yeah, I can do because I mean, I just think I I think employers need to open their eyes to midlife career changes. And if I won the lottery and I or if I had a lot of money, I would definitely have a recruitment agency that focused on midlife career changes. I just think instead of being when you get somebody's CV and people kind of look at, you look at them and they go, why do, you want, why do you want to do that? Well, you haven't got experience. Or, I, I think midlife career changes come with a lot of life experience and a willingness to learn new skills. And what better than to take somebody on who knows that that's what they want to do and is willing to, to train and combine that with all the life experience that they've brought along with them? I just think that's a powerful combination. Um, so, yeah, I do do coaching for career changes um, in the form of CV writing, and job applications, because that's what I'm experienced at in HR. I'm not a career change coach. Um, but I do enjoy talking about career change. Um, and
0: yeah, happy giving advice wherever I can. Perfect. <laughs> Nina, did I forgot to ask you something that maybe you wanted to share and I just didn't think of asking?
1: Um, no, I don't think so. Um, No, I mean, in terms of when you asked about my website and social media pages, I do. I have a personal blog that I update once a week. So um, if you've got a spare couple of minutes and a cup of tea, you could always pop over and read um, some of that. And I've also got two books, um, which are available to buy on Amazon. Um, If, again,
0: that's something that might interest you. One is about procrastination and the other one is about CV writing, right? Um uh well no one is about so one's called
1: Procrastinations and it's basically okay. um a collection of blog posts that I wrote years ago before I actually became a professional writer, but I was just rambling on about nothing. Um one, some one of my readers called me the female David Sedaris, which absolutely just made me <laughs> made me giddy. <laughs> <laughs> um and the other book is actually it's called um I'd rather get a cat and save the planet. Conversations with child-free women. And it's about women who, like me, have chosen not to have children. Um, but it's a light-hearted take on it. It's not, um, it's not heavy-handed and it isn't critical of anyone that has made the unusual choice of having children.
0: Ah, I would like to read that as well because <laughs> I made the choice of not having children. So I'm kind of curious on your take. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know about that book, so I'm... Uh... Oh, Excited to be reading um, it. It's
1: actually, I mean, it's not just about me. It's like I interviewed lots of other women that have made the same choice and it's, it's more of a lighthearted and funny take on it rather than anything scientific or heavy or anything like that. Light is good. <laughs> Especially <laughs> in these challenging times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nina, thank you very, very much for today. Thank you for sharing your journey and being so open about it.
1: Oh, no, thank you. It's been an honour to talk to you. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you.